This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. All right, good morning, everybody. My guest today is Jared Schreiber, and he's the co-founder and CEO of a company called InfoScout, where he leads uh, that startup that is fundamentally changing the way brands understand and engage consumers in the 21st century. Previously, he led research products and services for retail solutions, where he shaped how 500-plus CPG companies leveraged POS data to improve sales and execution at retail. During his tenure, the company was recognized by AMR. His storied past includes a few hacks at MIT, co-founding the Pat Tillman Foundation, throwing a javelin and playing Australian rules football. Jared, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right. What's commonality, commonality between Australian rules football and the InfoScout business model? Holy cow. Uh, we're aggressive. I would say that <laughs> without a doubt. We take no prisoners. Uh, there are no sacred rules that we follow, uh, unlike many of the traditional incumbents that have been around for 50 years in the market research industry. I'd, I'd say we're pretty ruthless by comparison. I like that. Okay, what's the company doing? How do you make money? Is it a pure place ass? It is not a pure place ass. We have a very big uh, project and services-based component that is how we get started with clients. It, it creates a low-cost way to prove the value of what we do. And then we use that to fund our sales cycle into the account uh, to actually sell them on an ongoing subscription. So we actually use projects and one-time uh, project-based revenues to fund the sales cycle of an ongoing subscription. And generally, if you look back at 2017 total revenue, what percent was from kind of the professional services versus what percent was from the ongoing recurring? Yeah, ongoing recurring is about two-thirds of our revenue and okay. projects are, are about one-third. That's actually, I mean, that's pretty healthy. So let's, we'll circle back to how the project stuff helps you onboard customers and they pay you basically for it. But for now, let's yeah. just focus on the SaaS component. When people pay you a monthly kind of SaaS fee, what are they getting? Yeah, so typically it's around $250,000 entry on an annual basis, so annual subscriptions. They're getting 10 licenses for access to our insights platform that allows them to ask questions of consumer behavior. Where are people buying a particular category of product? Are they loyal to a particular brand? How much do they respond to a promotion? Which brands do they switch between? Those are the kinds of questions they can answer through our platform. And generally speaking about how many customers do you have on that SaaS platform? Yeah, we're supporting 184 different brands right now on the platform. Okay. Now, I mean, can I, can I multiply kind of the ARPU you just gave me times 184 to assume you guys are doing about 3.5-ish uh, yeah. million or a month? Yeah. I, I, wish, I wish we were that, that big. We, uh, we surpassed 30 million this last year. Okay. Well, what do you mean you wish you were that big? That, that, that was accurate. <laughs> I, I must have misheard you then. Sorry. No, no, no. That's what I said. 184 bucks times that price point of about 250 grand a year, right? Or they're paying you about 
21 grand a month. That puts you at about 3.5 million a month in MRR, which is a little off, but still it's close. It's about 30 million. Yep. To the ballpark. Yep. Now, how are you guys, uh, I mean, what does growth look like year over year? In other words, what were you at about 12 months ago at the end of December, 2016? Yeah, we're, we're more than doubling on a year over year basis. And that's impressive. How are you driving that growth? Well, one, we built a product that has not only zero churn associated with it, but those customers uh, subscribe to more modules and add more users to those modules on a year-over-year basis. So our net revenue retention is 189% uh, from existing clients. So it's more about growing business with existing clients than it is landing new ones. Got it. So you're very much in the net negative revenue uh, kind of churn at this point. You got it. It has been since day one. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And when was day one? Day one of go to market in terms of starting to sell subscriptions was April, 2014. And why did you go that route? Usually agencies tend to go the SaaS model when they start thinking about raising capital and they realize they get a better valuation if they have a technology component. Oh boy. Well, I would say my co-founder and I thought we were building just a data business to start or at least a data and, and, and software business. And what we quickly realized is there had to be a decent services component and project-based component up front based on how our customers were going to buy and what they expected from a service provider in this space. I think Nielsen and IRI, these uh, billion-dollar-plus incumbents, had trained, had trained the market on what to expect and what to buy. And, and so we couldn't just walk in with a software-only solution to start. Got it. So 2014 is when you launched kind of the SaaS platform. When did you launch even just the professional services stuff? Uh, only uh, about seven, eight months prior. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a long time prior. We started with some projects, got some wins, and that was enough to convince a couple of clients to make a bet on us with, with an actual software product. And what's the team size today? 145. And where are you guys all based mainly? So uh, we've got about 60 in San Francisco, about 30 in Chicago, 20 in New York, and the rest spread out all over the country, wherever our clients are in sales and services roles. Interesting. Now, take me back to kind of the first few months. How did you land the first customer? What was that first, uh, first strategy? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we went, to a, we went to a trade conference, really. And just, Which one? Uh, Press Flash Networks. Oh, my gosh. I think it was like Shopper Insights in Action. It was so specific to our particular... Uh, particular field um, of, of understanding shopper behavior and shopper insights and just started networking, talking to folks, tell them what we were building. And, uh, you know, one of those uh, handshakes led to a follow on meeting, which led to a first project. And I think all of $3,000 in revenue <laughs> to do uh, a survey of our panelists. And, you know, six months later, they were signing up for a $400,000 subscription. What was first total first year revenue back in 2014? Do you remember how little it was? Uh, you know, I'd have to count the 2013, uh, we ended up doing about $200,000. And then uh, 2014, our bookings were actually four and a half million. So we, we really hit the gas in our first year of actually selling any type of capability or solution that 2014, we went from almost nothing in revenue to four and a half million in bookings. Uh, recognized revenue was probably only around two. Got it. So you were selling some kind of two-year contracts. No, it was uh, one-year contracts, but if we sold them late in the year, we only had maybe a month or two to recognize revenue on them. I see. I see. Got it. So two and a half recognized, yeah. uh, four and a half booked-ish. I mean, that's incredible growth. What would you, I mean, I don't take this as a jab, but you're an engineer, you're MIT. I mean, how'd you drive those early sales? Did you bring on a salesperson earlier? Uh, 
Yes, I did. I, fortunately, I think some of my prior roles, I'd, I'd picked up a little bit of a sales habit myself, but uh, I brought in a, a sales exec who had worked for me before at a prior company and he just lit it up. That's exciting. How, what percentage of your team today is dedicated to sales? Well, we've got about 35 uh, quota carrying sales reps uh, today between a little bit inside sales, mostly direct outside sales in the field. And when you take into account your paid spend plus their salaries to generate your fully weighted CAC, what are you spending right now to acquire customers? Uh, let's see here. Um, we are spending, you know, it, it's interesting in terms of acquire customer, right? Because that could be a project customer at, at, at $10,000, if you will. Um, let me just do the math and get it sure. right here. Take your time. Uh, I want to. I want to say it's about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar customer acquisition cost. Well, if you've got customers paying you two hundred fifty grand a year on the SaaS platform, that's about twenty grand a month. I mean, you're getting your payback in less than two months, still, right? It's it's fast once we get them on the platform. The reality is, we end up doing a lot of project work for the first six to nine months, so it's not as clear in terms of of what that payback period is, but. Mm -hmm. uh, the math works out quite well at the end of the day. Well, even that project work, if you're building a five grand or 10 or 20 grand project, obviously that helps you recover CAC pretty quickly. It does. It How does. Do you, so that's been the key. Yeah. Let's shed some light on that for a second. Your upfront kind of professional services fee, right? What are they getting and how do you typically price that? Uh, so what they're typically getting is the ability to survey our panelists to answer specific questions about why they bought a particular product on a particular trip. Why did they choose this brand over that brand? Why did they buy it this time and not last time? Why did they buy it at this retailer and not that retailer? What okay. do they like about the product versus competition? That's, that's super simple. Or why have they stopped buying their brand? Why, did, why have they switched to a competitor? Benchmarking, those kind of things. So it often involves surveying our panelists and getting some answers to some business questions. And the end deliverable is kind of an executive ready PowerPoint presentation of our findings from doing that survey and what we would recommend around it. And so, where are you? Go ahead. So it takes a month or two to, to deliver the work and, and uh, ends with the PowerPoint presentation. And where are you getting most of your data from? I'm sure you have some proprietary stuff, but I'm sure you also kind of pay for access to certain things. Where are you getting your data from? Yeah, surprisingly, it's all it's all our own. So we built a couple of mobile apps that incentivize people to take pictures of their everyday shopping and dining receipts. And then we incentivize them more to answer some questions about those shopping trips. And so we've got over 400,000 Americans now actively uh, doing this on a day in day out basis. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com, click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use, www.thetopinbox.com.
What's the incentive? That must be very strong because I never respond to those surveys when they say, take the Home yeah. Depot survey and win $500 gift card. I never do it. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, that The key is we're incentivized people for every shopping trip they make. So every time they go, go shopping, they take a picture of the receipt, they get a reward. Their charity of choice gets a reward, depends on, on which app they're in. And then it's pretty easy to follow up and ask them some additional questions about that shopping trip. So I think you'd be surprised. So it's pretty low cost. Um, have you ever considered going, are you familiar with Expensify and David? Yeah. Yeah. They, they've buried I've met before. He's a great guy. I mean, I chatted with him and harassed him a little bit about this when I interviewed him. And I said, David, why are you not opening data partnerships on some of this stuff? Assuming your EULA and TOS makes sense. I mean, he's got a huge data set there. Um, got a huge data set. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't have any relationships like that right now, tying into QuickBooks or things like that. No, we looked into that. Uh, we actually built our own little um, app that, that was used by small businesses to capture all their receipts and digitize them for free. Uh, what we realized was it wasn't consumers doing it, it was small businesses. And uh, building a small business panel and taking that data to market is an extremely different business model than taking consumer data to market. So we shut it down. Got it. Now, do you go, I imagine sometimes you just go in the app store, look for consumer apps that have already done well, where people are taking pictures of receipts and you just go buy them because you make way more money from the data than the sole developer in their basement that doesn't know what they're uh, sitting on. How many of those acquisitions you know, we, have you done? Actually, we, we've, uh, well, we've done, we've done three acquisitions, but only one was for the reason you described. It was a top shopping list app called Out of Milk. And we thought we could build receipt capture into it because people were using it to plan all their shopping trips already turned out not to be a great integrated use case. And we ended up uh, improving the app a bit and selling it uh, uh, a few years later to a firm that could make better use of it as a, as a marketing application, you know, for, for grocery marketing as opposed to uh, data capture, if you will. What did you so buy it for when you purchased it? Uh, I can't answer that. Let, let's just say low seven figures and ended up selling it in the low seven figures range. Uh, did you, so did you recover your capital though, at least? You got it at net negative or no? We, or net break we, well, capital-wise, yes, we covered. But obviously, when you're a startup, uh, you know, investing your time is what's more important. And I think we ended up uh, investing our time in the wrong area for a while. So at the end of the day, that was a mistake. However, we did make a couple of aqua hires of mobile apps that people had created that really didn't have futures, but we were impressed with the team and what they'd done. So we acquired them, uh, shut down the apps, brought in the team members, and some of the engineers we've gotten from that have been outstanding. So, yep. so that's definitely a successful strategy for us. Last few questions on unit economics before we wrap up with a famous five. Um, gross logo churn annually. I assume that's pretty negligible. What is it? Oh, gross logo churn. Well, that would be customers that do a project with us and just don't continue on the next year. And so I'm going to say that's under 10%. Okay, got it. And um, and what do you assume lifetime value is of most of your clients? Once they're signed, not your not everyone that comes onto your projects, but once they're signed up on the SaaS product, what do you assume lifetime value is? Yeah, um, close to 10 million. And how do you back into that and make sure you don't like lie to yourself and over-exaggerate since it's such a sticky product? Yeah, I think we have the fortunate situation of knowing how much our clients spend in our market space with, with our competitors. And we've seen our traction, our ability to eat into what they're spending with, with other market research providers and take that on ourselves. Um, so it's kind of a known entity now. And now that we've got four years of data selling into these, into these particular accounts and growing these accounts, I think we've got a good sense. I think where we could be lying to ourselves, to be frank, 
is what happens outside the top 500 clients. Um, yeah. And you start moving down market. Uh, I, I don't think it's true that, that that same kind of lifetime value holds up. It, it does diminish. Got it. So you, that LTV of 10 million, you're talking just about your top 10% of customers, right? Well, for us, it's, it's probably the top half of our customer base today. But if you talk about three years from now or, or other lifetime value, lifetime horizons, uh, that is going to be the top 10% of clients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, that's significant, right? If you take 10 million and divide it by what people are paying you per month on average, about 21 grand, that's a lifetime timeline wise, about 476 months or 40 years. Um, I believe I did that right. Right. 40 yeah, years. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but it, you know, top, top clients are going to end up paying, uh, many, many millions a year for our services. And we're already mm -hmm. getting some of the clients there. So, yeah. So we don't look at it in terms of what, what are they at today? We look at it in terms of as we continue to deliver the services and grow the account, what is that account worth to us? Makes a lot of sense. Uh, what about funding? Have you raised or bootstrapped? We raised, uh, thank goodness we did. We did everything from a, a seed of, of uh, Angel Round of Friends and Family, Series A from Bank Capital Ventures and Founder Collective, a Series B from a, a strategic WPP Cantar, and then uh, Venture Debt on top of that, which was a, a, a lifesaver to us in a, in a great way. Who did you choose to work with for the Venture Debt? Uh, Trinity Capital. Uh, they were they were actually a great partner for it, and it, it uh, saved our employees and investors a ton at the end of the day when uh, when we sold the company last July. Um, oh, you, you did exit the company. Yes. Okay. So, so hold on. We're, before we're still before, running as InfoScout, but but we were acquired by Vista Equity Partners, uh, the, the software focused private equity firm, and uh, last July. Before we get into the acquisition, real quick. So, how much total had you raised before the acquisition? Twenty two ish. Okay, twenty two, and that is just the equity, or including the venture debt? Uh, just the equity. So another eight in venture debt. Okay, got it. Um, it's 20, you said you sold in 2016, right? Uh, sold in 2017. Okay, why'd you decide to sell? Uh, I, I think we, uh, we had gotten to a point where, where we were doing pretty well in the market, making some waves. We were looking at potentially raising another round of Series C. The, uh, sort of the growth equity firms wanted to write really large checks. And we didn't need that much money. What, to get what's a large check? Money. Like how much are you talking about? Minimum 30 million. Okay. And, and we, we felt like we needed 10 to 15 million. Mm -hmm. And if we took 30 million from a new lead, we'd have to do pro rata for existing investors. So total cost of the round was going to get us closer to 40 million. The level of dilution just didn't make sense to us uh, relative to what we needed to hit our goals. So we started talking to some strategics. Uh, about, you're talking, about check market, you're talking about market track specifically or no someone else uh, not then other strategics in the market uh, you know that were in market research knew who we were potentially um, either partners or competitors and uh, ended up not going that route they wanted special business terms or licensing agreements or other things and that's what led us to the venture debt instead allowed us to keep our, our foot on the gas keep hiring sales uh, adding new products and growing the business um, and then, you know, when we completed the year, the strategics followed up with us and say, hey, how'd the year finish up? And they didn't think we were going to hit our aggressive goals. And we did. We actually beat them. And that led Meaning to... Meaning you hit $30 million in 2017. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We, this, this all started happening at the end of 16, even. Uh, some, of, some of the timing. It's about $15 so million that, there. Yeah, exactly. And so... You know, early, early 2017, the strategic started paying real attention when we exceeded our goals and decided, hey, instead of just owning a chunk of the company, why not own the whole thing? 
So yeah. that ended up resulting in, in kind of the strategic interest that led to uh, quite a few companies showing interest in InfoScouts, and and uh, we're glad we got paired up with Vista Equity Partners in that process, and they're the ones who acquired us and then uh, paired us up with Market Track here. Vista Equity loves 7.2x multiples. It's the multiple they paid for Cvent. It's also the multiple they paid for Marketo. I don't know why. It's just a trend I saw. So, did you sell for more or less than 250 million bucks, which is about 7.2x your 30 million? Uh, I just say you're very astute. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let's wrap up here, Jared, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. I don't think there's a better way for, for managers and, and just employees to think about how to work together. Number two, is there a CEO you're currently following or studying? Uh, well, I pick Oren Hoffman's brain every chance I get. He's uh, founder of LiveRamp, now with SafeGraph. Um, Writes prolifically on on Medium and Quora. I, I, I think he's sharp as can be. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for growing the business? Ooh, uh, you know, I, I personally like Asana. I was a guy who used sticky notes for all my to-do lists and uh, was pen and paper entirely. And I started using Asana and found I actually had a digital way to manage all of my tasks and to-dos. And uh, we've used it across the team a bit as well. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I used to be uh, notorious for going on four or five hours of sleep. Now, now I need a good seven to feel fully functional. That's good. And Jared, what's your situation, man? Are you married, single, you have kids? Ah, married uh, 18 years now, three kids. Wow. Uh, teenagers, yeah. So. And how old are you? Uh, 42. Okay, last question. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What do you wish that that guy knew? You know, when I was 20, I was still in college and I wish I'd have studied uh, either like computer information systems, computer science, something. I should have been learning to code in college instead of uh, learning to hack once I got my first job. So uh, I, I wish I'd have done at least a technical field and probably computer science. There you guys have it from Jared of InfoScout. He would have studied the technical stuff earlier on, launched the company back in 2014 in December 2016. Run rate was around 15 million bucks. That beat their target. It spurred competition for other investors to get involved with the company. Ended up doubling year over year to about 30 million last year. They serve about 184 customers that pay about a quarter of a million bucks a year in the retail space. Um, super healthy uh, revenue retention year over year with their team of about 145 people between San Fran, Chicago, and New York. Sold to Vista Equity. Now they're cranking the business with Market Track. Jared, I appreciate you taking us to the top. Thanks a lot. Appreciate being there.